Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Joining us today it is Jonathan Davis, the host of the Locked On Longhorns Podcast. It is officially football season, uh, or spring football season, I should say, baseball and obviously softball going on as well. But we're going to talk Texas football. The big question, are they back? Is Texas back? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Jonathan Davis, Locked On Longhorns Podcast. Jonathan, it's nice to talk to you again. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be back on Lockdown Big 12 talking everything Texas football today. Uh, so one thing before we get to football, uh, basketball season ends against Purdue, get, but they got an NCAA tournament win, which is more they can say under Shaka Smart. So would you say all in all, successful first campaign for uh, for Chris Beard? Definitely a successful first campaign for uh, Chris Beard. Like you said, getting the monkey off our back, being able to win an NCAA tournament game. I think that the team was overrated coming into the season, like a preseason top five team because all of the transfers came in. So I think that, you know, that kind of elevated expectations, you know, higher than they should have been. And then when you don't beat Baylor and when you don't beat Texas Tech, I think that kind of soured the season. But they did beat Kansas, who won the national championship game, you know, uh, you know, beat Virginia Tech, who was really hot, and, you know, your team, Virginia Tech, and, and won mm-hmm. the ACC My tournament. Hopes, yeah. And then, uh, you know, lost to Purdue. Of course, there was, uh, was a big foul discrepancy in that game, you know, yeah. 46 to 12, and a lot of people talk about that. But overall, I thought it was a good season, and, you know, he's bringing in two five-stars next year. I think as he continues to actually get his players into the program and not have to rely so much on the transfer portal, uh, you'll see much more improvement from this basketball team. So I'm happy with what Chris Beard did in year one. I think a lot of people are are, are the uh, are the same way. All right, let's talk some Texas football because that's what everybody that's what everybody wants to talk about. So I've been thinking about you know having this conversation with you about expectations and and whatnot. And the one thing that we always love to do is the is the Texas is Texas back thing. I, I just I think the the big thing for Texas is preparing for the SEC, right? And uh, you know, up front on both sides of the ball. That's, that's important. Making sure they have the right coach at this point. I think they do, to be honest, to, to go to the South, the South, the Southeastern conference. Um, not really worrying about is, is Texas back, but like, is, is that the main concern right now for Texas fans? I know it's, you know, it's a little bit off three or five, uh, three years away, whatever it is. But like, I think that's kind of the big thing looming over Texas football right now is look, it's great if you're, you know, back, whatever, 10 and 2. But the big thing is you need to be prepared for the SEC. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things. But I think, honestly, Texas fans are more worried about this season. I think this is a huge season for the program and a huge season for Sark in his second year to determine if he is the right coach or not, right? Most of us think he is. I think he is, too. But coming off a 5-7 and seven season when you lost to Kansas, I mean, that was Charlie Strong's downfall. So, you know, if Sark can't build on that and, you know, they come out and, you know, only win six or seven games this year, then it doesn't matter what you're going to do in the SEC in a few years. So I think there's a lot of hype around this team right now. Um, I'm going to shy away from saying Texas is back when I do say that. You know, the fans kind of get on me. This You know, right. this team has been cursed. The, the fans have been hurt. So I'm not going to say that. But I think what's more important than what we do in the SEC in a few years is what happens this year. This is a huge year uh, for the program to really determine 
if, uh, you know, Texas can get back on the right track. And there's a lot of energy around the program. You know, when you bring in uh, a five, uh, the fifth ranked recruiting class in the country, you bring in Quinn Ewers, uh, who most people expect to start. So I think more importantly, fans are worried about, um, you know, who we can secure uh, in the recruiting class. We'll probably talk about that a little bit, Arch Manning and mm -hmm. stuff, too. But um, definitely this season, I think, is, is on the, the, the forefront of Texas fans right now, their minds right now. Yeah, it's the Big 12 is really interesting. It's going to be super interesting this year because it feels like I, I do think Oklahoma is a clear favorite. I think just because of the amount of talent they have. Um, and also the fact that, like, you know, you get a, a proven commodity in Dylan Gabriel, a quarterback. I like that. They still have some talent that's, 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 um, you know, returning. I just think it's like, you know, it's the, I know it's the brand of Oklahoma, but it's such a sturdy program that it feels like they really, done a great job rebounding from the loss. And now we'll see, obviously, but loss of Lincoln Riley. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of positivity about where that program is. And then I think the questions are like, okay, can Baylor do it again? Can Oklahoma State do it again? Uh, you know, how are, you know, what about the uh, Kansas State to the world? There always seems to be that one team that we kind of count out that makes that push, you know, kind of towards the, the top of the Big 12 standings in Texas Tech, Iowa State, Kansas State, you know, in that group. And then I think it's just with Texas, like I, I really do believe Texas should be in the Big 12 championship this year. I think with the amount of talent that Texas has and kind of where the conference is as a whole, you know, there is – I'm not even sure this team has to reach its full potential to make a Big 12 championship game. I actually think that with the way the conference is positioned, once again, it's early. But I think with the amount of talent and kind of all right, starting to get the right guys in there and, and the coaching needs to improve a little bit too – but I, I think that's where this team, talent-wise at least, should be. Do you agree in the Big 12 championship or at least in the conversation this year? Yeah, I've said that plenty of times on the podcast, you know, and uh, my glasses are, are rose-colored for sure. But right. um, I, I definitely think that they should be in the Big 12 championship, and that's where I've projected them to be at the end of the season. You know, there's no clear-cut favorite, regardless of how you feel about, you know, Oklahoma and them coming in with Brent Venables. They're not head and shoulders above everybody in the Big 12. Uh, Baylor, who won the Big 12 last year, there's a realistic possibility that they could take a step back losing some of the players that they did. Of course, mm -hmm. Oklahoma state with that defense, as many players as they lost, it's hard to envision them being as good. And, and so, um, and you look at Texas last year. Yeah, we were a five win team, um, but you, you know, you scored 56 points against Kansas. You shouldn't lose that game. Shouldn't have lost the Oklahoma game, had leads on Oklahoma State and Baylor. So even with all the deficiencies on this team last year, this was, you know, could have been an eight to nine win team. You know, I guess if it was the fifth, we know the rest, but it could have went, you know, could have been a nine yeah. win team. And so now you've improved um, on a lot of units. I think you've brought in uh, some coaches that the players have been able to resonate with more. And then it's just the second year in Pete Krakowski's scheme on defense, second year in Sark's scheme on offense. I think the team is more comfortable. And honestly, I, I think this group is focused on getting to a Big 12 championship. I think they want to be the group that turns this Texas team around, not, not necessarily brings them back. But, you know, Anthony Cook, you know, at safety talked about that. Like he played in a Big 12 championship his freshman year and they haven't been back since. And so, like I said, you know, the SEC move, that's something down the road. But I definitely think that this team is focused on getting to a Big 12 championship this year. And I think they have more than enough talent to do it in a year where there's no clear cut favorite in the Big 12 like we've seen in the past. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Let's get to some specifics here. Uh, but first, quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is Bill Barger to Bill.com today. That's built.com. You guys can find all of the delicious built bar flavors that they've got there right now. Mint brownie, uh, coconut almond, uh, coconut, and white chocolate cookies and cream. Most built bars have 130 calories, four grams of sugar, 
four net carbs and 17 grams of protein. Once again, built.com today, built.com, promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15, for 15% off at built.com today. Uh, and yeah, you know, when it talk, comes to the, I think when it comes to the SEC thing, like I just, I want to see them play better up front. So it's like, okay, this is going somewhere, right? Because this is the thing. If Oklahoma goes 10 and two this year, but their defensive line still looks like all the other defensive lines that we've talked about, like great, but where are we? Where are we going, right? Are, are, are we going to get better at that point? And Texas, you know, they have a lot of talent on the outside uh, and in other spots as well. Quarterback, great. But if if the defensive line is getting run down late in games, the offensive line is not holding up, then then how, you know, how close are we to actually being a team that, you know, can make talent uh, perform? So that's kind of my thought. I know it's far off, but I think, yeah, it would translate to wins the immediate. But, like, those are the things that I'm looking for because we know they can get guys like Xavier Worthy. We know we can get guys like Xavier Worthy at the football and watch them work. But that's not wins and lose. That's not what wins and loses games for them, at least at this point. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why they, you know, made such a huge emphasis. One, just because those were weaknesses last year, uh, the defensive line and the offensive line. Um, and so I think they, you know, heavily keyed in on that uh, in the recruiting class and then also looking on the defensive side, on the defensive line and the transfer portal, still looking at Oshawn Mathis uh, from TCU. But I think they've keyed in on those type of players, like you said, that'll be able to win games, kind of those beefy, um, you know, just stronger players in the trenches that you need to win in the SEC. So um, I think they've done a good you know, balance of getting players that can come in and contribute for them right now, whether that's on the edge or on the offensive and defensive lines. But I also think, you know, they're kind of looking towards the future and saying these are the type of players in the trenches that we need to win games when we ultimately move to the SEC. And so I think they've keyed in more on those bigger guys in the trenches, knowing that that's where the team is headed in a few years. Uh, Yeah. O'Shawn Mathis, like, what the hell are we doing? Like, he's just he's one of those dudes. He's just sitting there, right? He hadn't decided what he's doing yet. Yeah, he's just in, enjoying the recruitment process for yeah. sure. You Which know, is good I, for um, him, but I, I feel like he'd want to get in for some spring football, right? Like that's that's what I was thinking. I saw something that said maybe he was, you know, uh, trying to finish up his classes uh, before he made a decision or something. So I'm not sure. I saw uh, something the other day about you know Nebraska uh, making the NIL yeah, pitch towards visit, him. Yeah, he's um, you know, him. Casey Thompson talked about you know them having NIL and cars out there in Nebraska that we don't have at Texas. So hopefully Nebraska doesn't scoop him up too. But uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah. I Definitely hope he makes a decision uh, sooner than later, especially I know defensive line is still an area that we're working on in, in spring practices. So hopefully we can get Oshan in if he makes Texas his decision sooner than later. Everybody wants to talk offense with, with Texas, right? I mean, it's and, and for good reason. I mean, they you know they've got some good players coming back. Obviously, I think the guys they bring in are really interesting. We'll get there in a second, but the heat is on Pete Kwiatkowski because that that unit in particular was the one that really folded in a lot of games. I mean, they were giving it up to basically everybody they played, Oklahoma to Baylor uh, to Oklahoma. I mean, I mean, you name it. And, uh, the, you know, the, the teams that we considered good, the, the only game where they really stood their ground was that Kansas State game late in the season, I thought. And uh, the Heat's on Pete Kukowski. Also, you know, I think there is some added pressure when you, when you, when you bring in a guy like Gary Patterson, right? Like, if it doesn't work out, I mean, I, there are a lot of people at, at Texas who I'm sure you, you know this would love to see him get that DC spot, and I'm sure he'd love to have it too uh, to be able to coach for for Texas just to stick it to his old school TCU. He's a little bit of a vindictive guy, you know. That's that's how he is. Uh, so that's where I think the big that's that's where my questions go because the offense last year, it, I think there's it's pretty it's a lot more fixable than what happened on defense. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and you're right. There's definitely pressure on Pekakowski when you bring in a defensive guru like Gary Patterson. And, you know, I think people think if Pekakowski can't get it together or some people that think that Gary Patterson might be in that position by the end of the season, you know, and, and so a lot of pressure on him. But you're right. Um, definitely a, a unit that needs to improve. I think it was like 99th or 100th in the country last year. Uh, and, and so a lot of uh, emphasis has been on that side of the ball, but we've also been hearing some really good things coming out of spring practices about the defense, especially um, in the defensive backfield. A couple of the superstars um, from spring practices so far, Jade Barron, um, really keyed in in that nickel star spot. I think what they like what he's going to be able to do um, to be able to play man coverage in the slot, but just also bring a lot um, you know, to that defensive backfield. He's been probably one of the best players in spring practices so far. And then the transfer, Ryan Watts uh, from Ohio State, 6'3", long corner. He's really brought uh, a different dynamic to this defensive backfield where I don't think you had any standout players last year. Um, so 6'3", like I said, long arms. And, and Sark talked about in his last press conference wanting to be more sticky in coverage. And so he really helps you do that. Like I said, long corner, he's, you know, when he presses on you, it's just hard to get a release off of him. And I think that's really brought something to the defense. This is a defense that wants to play a lot more man coverage this year. You bring in two talented four-star freshmen at corner and Jalen Gilbo and Terrence Brooks, who are looking really good in the spring or threatening uh, for some playing time this year as well. So um, I think that's one of the biggest keys in that defensive backfield. Um, and Gary Patterson has a lot to do with that as well as them wanting to play man, more man coverage, be stickier in coverage, and not give up so many easy completions on that side of the ball this year. And then, so you look at the guys, you know, that we're thinking about, the, the two guys that I point to also in the heart of the defense, Keandre Coburn and then DeMarvin Overshone. Those were two guys that I think we ex- – well, I thought Overshone played better than Coburn did last year, but I think we expected a lot more, especially from Coburn, right? That was a guy that we really did expect more of, and I, I thought he, much like the rest of the defensive line, disappointed last year what are you hearing about this defensive front it's a pretty old one but just because you're experienced that doesn't always necessarily mean you're good right yeah definitely so um I think Alfred Collins Keandre Coburn they both didn't have the seasons that you would have expected from two talented interior linemen um and then so as far as the defensive front I think that we're hearing that they've looked good um in the run game they're playing you know more aggressively playing um with more pursuit, you know, they're, they're more aggressive in their pursuit to the ball that the pass rush is still isn't where they would like it to be. I know they've been experimenting recently and it's just something you can see a lot more this year uh, with three down linemen, um, with the three man fronts mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, Keandre Coburn, Alfred Collins, and then either Tavondre Sweat or Byron Murphy up front. And then as far as the edge positions, um, they're looking at, you know, Ovi Ogofu. I think he's probably their most consistent edge right now. Um, but then outside of that, they don't have uh, just a playmaker right now that I think they can rely, uh, rely on and say, OK, he's going to be on the other side of OV. You got Justice Finkley in on the early enrollee freshman. You got Baron Sorrells, the sophomore who they really like. Um, but I think they're still expecting a little bit more from them. So I think the defensive front is still a work in progress, especially uh, with the pass rush. But I think the biggest adjustment is, is them trying to move more towards a three man front, at least in certain situations, um, to be able to. Uh, utilize those big interior tackles uh, up front and be disruptive in the run game. And then also see how they can bring uh, pressure off of that with the three-man front. So um, didn't have the seasons you wanted to from Keandre Coburn and Alfred Collins last year, um, but I I think they're expecting a a big jump from them, and it's going to be huge if this defense wants to improve. So let's go offense. This is where everybody wants to talk about. So I guess it is a – it's technically a quarterback battle, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. With Hudson Card and and uh, totally like Quinn Ewers. Um, you don't bring a player like that 
into the program unless you, unless you plan on playing him, right? That that's kind of that's that's what you do when you bring a guy who's got that much pedigree and uh, that much talent. Last year, I think Steve Sarkeesian was honest with us about how poorly the quarterbacks were playing. Maybe a little bit too honest. So. Is that honesty continued this offseason or is it more tempered optimism? Because last year he was like, I don't really know who to play. None of these guys really impressed me yet, which I understand. It's fine. These aren't your players. But now maybe you're getting kind of more guys in. Maybe you do want to be a bit more positive. I think he knew what he had last year. And I don't think people kind of realized that until it was far later in the season. But I think maybe this year he'd do better with some positivity, I think. At least try to boost some, boost some confidence maybe. Yeah, so in his most recent uh, press conference, he talked about how both of them are doing really good things. Um, so uh, he's been a little more stealthy at this point. Yeah. Uh, but he said both of them are, are doing some really good things. But uh, from what I'm hearing and most people are saying, neither one has really separated themselves uh, from the other. Of course, Quinn Ewers is kind of behind the curve in terms of Hudson Card, uh, just with him having more time on campus and, and being more familiar in the system, being more familiar with the teammates, uh, you know, et cetera. Also trying to be more vocal in a leadership type role. Um, but of course, Quinn Ewers jumps off the page in terms of talent and he can make throws that nobody else in that quarterback room um, can make. And then uh, we're still hearing uh, as far as Hudson Card that he's been good. But once again, he's not been able to separate himself from Quinn Ewers when he has a natural advantage Two, We're also hearing that at times, which we saw last year, he's still struggling, um, you know, in the pocket in terms of dealing with pressure and being able to stand in there and deliver the ball to receivers. And that was something that plagued him a lot uh, last year. So very interesting up until this point um, in the quarterback battle. I don't think anybody has separated themselves from each other thus far, which I think definitely um, benefits the mullet and, and Queen Ewers because if Hudson Carr can't, mm. you know, definitively beat him in this quarterback battle, I said on the podcast all the time, we've seen that movie before, and it might be time to, you know, hand the reins to the the prodigy in Queen Ewers. Yeah, I think it's, I think it, in my opinion, at least, it's kind of trending in in that direction. Now, uh, you know, things could change, but I mean, I, I think that's, that's where we thought it, it was going to happen. Um, offensive line, I know we'll talk receivers here in a second, but this offensive line, you know, are these are we going to see these two five stars, uh, Devon Campbell and Kelvin Banks, compete for some of those starting spots? Right, the defensive line you filter guys in and out sometimes, but offensive line usually aren't going to filter in and line in and out. So, are those two guys going to be fighting for starting positions? You think this year, or or no, going to have to kind of wait a little bit and see. Yeah, I think Kelvin Banks, when he comes in over the summer, definitely has a chance to compete with Christian Jones at that right tackle spot. I think they like Andre Carriage at left tackle and what he can do. And I think the big key for him is consistency. Um, but definitely with Christian Jones at right tackle, I think Kelvin Banks has a, a, a chance to come in and compete for that spot right away. I'm not sure with Devon Campbell um, at the left guard or right guard spot. I know that Cole Hudson, the only uh, one of the seven offensive linemen that they brought in that's in on campus right now, uh, he mm -hmm. has a really good chance. They like what they see uh, to compete for that right guard spot right now. He's getting second team reps, but I think eventually most people think uh, that he'll take the starting spot at right guard uh, eventually, you know, even at some point this year. Um, but at left guard, I, I think they like what they have in junior and they're just expecting more consistency out of him. But because there's not a lot of depth on campus at the offensive line positions right now, they're getting so many reps. And I think they like what they've seen on the left side from Andre and junior so far at left tackle and left guard. So I think that if out of Devin Campbell and Kelvin Banks, Kelvin Banks has a legitimate shot. Uh, to compete for that right tackle spot this year. Of course, Devin Campbell with his pedigree has a legit chance to compete. But I think if I had to pick one um, that would possibly starting on day one, it would be Kelvin Banks at right tackle um, rather than Devin Campbell at left guard. 
And then wide receivers, let's go there. I mean, this is a group that's really gotten bolstered. They're going to have, starting off, I mean, a bunch of experienced guys. You know, you think about Xavier Worthy coming back. Uh, I would just, I would call him a thousand yard receiver. I know he didn't get all the way there, but, you know, in terms of talent, like this is a guy who was, you know, and he was right there. He just didn't get over that hump. Uh, that was more quarterback than anything. So they get Isaiah Nayer, and this is somebody that, that people are really excited about. They steal him from Tennessee. You and I talked about him before, but this is a guy that I think when you get a quarterback like Quinn Ewers, um, having a player like Worthy, and then uh, Nayer's a pretty big kid, right? Like 6'4", what is 6'4"? Yeah, yeah, I think you know, he's like 6'3", 220. Yeah, so he's, he's, a, he's a, bigger, a bigger guy they bring in there. And then also you get Jaleel Billingsley uh, from Alabama, who to me is a massive wild card, but he reunites with Steve Sarkeesian. You get Jordan Weddington, who's back uh, for another season. I feel like he's been there for a long time. He's back. So, you know, in terms of pass catching options, and then also in the backfield, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson both back again. I mean, this is this is about this is gonna be a pretty loaded group in terms of experience and also ability. Yeah, Sark has a lot of toys to play with. Of course, uh, yeah. Xavier Worthy, like you said, a thousand yard receiver. If you would have played in a ball game, he definitely would have been a, a thousand yard receiver. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you know, Jordan Whittington. Um, I think they like a, a lot what he's been able to do with his body. I think they have more confidence that he'll be able to play a full season for the first time this year. They love what he's doing in the slot. Sark mentioned at his press conference this week that he's been one of the best players in the spring, um, especially his ability to make plays and get yak over the middle. Um, so they like what he can do in the slot. You talked about the addition of Isaiah Nair, um, whose best ability is to win jump balls, you know, those 50-50 yeah. balls with his size. But he also has deceptive speed. This was a track star in high school, somebody that can run by you as well. So originally the thought uh, was that, you know, he could come in and take pressure off of Xavier Worthy and make it harder for you to double him or roll coverage over to Xavier Worthy. But now I'm kind of looking at it at a, you know, 1A, 1B type of situation. You know, I don't think it's necessarily a Robin to the Batman. I think it's, right. you know, Isaiah Nair comes in um, and can be, you know, one of the top receivers in the country as well, especially in Sark's system and a quarterback that can get the ball to all of the playmakers. So you talked about it. And then at tight end, you got Jaleel Billingsley, who's looked really good as a receiver. I'm not sure how much they'll be able to use him as an inline blocker just because of his yeah. frame. And we know that's not, not something that we've seen a lot from him before, only at 216 pounds. But he gives you a hell of a pass catching option at tight end or even split out wide sometimes. And then, you know, JT Sanders, who didn't catch a pass last year, but has come on really well at the tight end position, too. So Sark has a million toys to play with. and It'll be interesting to see. Um, how often we see the different formations and personnel groupings um, and how he utilizes them going forward in the season. Yeah, I think I think Nayer and, and Worthy are two really good complementary players. And Whittington, too. I just think they all they all kind of do different stuff. Uh, Worthy, too, is just a guy you can, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill is a good comparison. Like, you give him the ball and just like, okay, go get me three or four yards, right? You know, or give me five or yeah. six yards. I mean, the first play, we saw that first play they ran against OU, the one, how, I forgot how long he took the, took the, for a touchdown, but how many times do we see Devonte Smith run that play at Alabama? Right, just the quick pop outside and let let your you know brilliantly talented player go make something happen. And he's not just that; he's got a lot more in the bag. You know, he can go downfield too. But th this is, I, I think, it's a great point. It's like these guys all make sense together. And so, to me, is if the offensive line is playing well, and look, you mentioned it, this they now got some options. Maybe not a ton of depth, but they've got some youthful options, at least some talented options behind the guys who are starters. Um, if that works out this, you know, there's no excuse for a quarterback not to play well. I mean, there's no excuse for a quarterback not to play well. What else could you want if, if you're a quarterback besides, you know, maybe, a uh, you know, a, a great tight end. Uh, but I mean, you, look, you can't have everything, right. You know what I mean? 
Like you, yeah. you, you can have everything, but pretty low to the cross the board. I mean, two running backs, three or four wide, good wide receivers, a, a pseudo tight end and Jaleel Billingsley. Like this is, if you're a quarterback, man, you're setting me up pretty good for success. Yeah, and I, and I think we have more than two running backs, honestly. Uh, you look at yeah. Keelan Robinson, who was running back three, a uh, really talented player, extremely fast, might be the second fastest player on the team behind Xavier Worthy. Uh, freshman Jaden Blue out of Houston, he's looked really good. Jonathan Brooks at running back, he's looked really good. Jordan Whittington tweeted that we have the best running back room in the country. Mm. I'm not going to argue with him there. Um, so like you said, just a, a lot of talented options that Sark has to play with, um, with different personnel groupings and different things. But as we know, you know, games are won in the trenches and it's hard to get the ball to those playmakers if you're constantly under duress. So hopefully when, you know, the other six offensive linemen from the 2022 class get there over the summer, they can make some real decisions about who's going to start in the fall. And hopefully this group is more dominant in the trenches and more cohesive than they were last year to ensure that this offense can have the type of season. Um, it looks good on paper right now, but you just got to go out there and play the games. But I think if the offensive line improves, then, yeah, I mean, Texas is one of the scariest teams in the country on paper. Uh, quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. If you want to get on some college football futures, you want to bet some overs maybe, you're feeling pumped up about this Texas conversation, you say, all right, I want to take the over on Texas wins next year. You can do that at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. You can bet on basketball, football, uh, baseball, hockey, soccer, MMA, golf, NASCAR, whatever it is you want to bet on they got there. Also, they've got Vegas casino games as well. It's the best online sports book experience. Go there today, betonline and betonline.net. Betonline, it's where the game starts. All right, so a couple questions here, and we'll get you out of here, but we'll just talk about like the wins, the win numbers. I know this, this stuff is all, you know, it's all about progress, and but we measure progress by wins. Um, I look at the schedule, and I just think to myself, just here it is, ULM, Alabama, UTSA, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, Kansas Baylor. So there's a stretch in there where it is Oklahoma at Iowa State, or excuse me, Oklahoma home for Iowa State, uh, at Oklahoma State, and then at K-State. Like that's a pretty difficult that's a difficult stretch. But it's not this inconquerable stretch where, you know, it's it's really horrible. The Alabama game, obviously, earlier in the season, going to be a really difficult one uh, at home. But it's going to be, a, you know, very much uh, pumped up one. I, I'm just wondering, like, what, what dictates success this year? Because there's so many factors. There's the pressure. There's the schedule. There's what happened last year. There's the amount of talent they have. Like, you have to mix all of those things together and think, okay, what is appropriate expectations – all right. So, like, what's if a, if a fan, you know, a positive fan were to say, Jonathan, I think Texas should go nine and three ne next year, you would say what to that? I agree. You know, okay. I, I don't think that Texas isn't the type of program where you can say, okay, we went five and seven next year, just improving on our win total will be, you know, be enough. Like, this is a team, especially we talked about all the talent, like, this is a team that fans expect. Uh, to be able to compete for a Big 12 championship. And then when you look at the schedule, obviously Alabama is daunting for sure, um, you know, in that second week of the season. But I think this is a 9-3, and 10-2 and two football team. I think if you're asking me, um, I'll say 10-2 and two or 9-3. Or and three. I think, you know, probably Alabama is a loss. I think one school out of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor, you could take your pick on that, um, will be a loss. I think it's hard to be go 3-0 and against yeah. those teams. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, I, I, I think that, you know, we should be able to beat every other team on our schedule. So um, I'm thinking 10 and two, I think most fans would, would say nine and three, but I think big 12 championship is how most Texas fans would describe success. I think anything less than that, um, 
I would say play, wait, so winning one or playing in the game. I think play. I think it'd be a major success if they. I know it's a really talented team. I think it's a major success if they play in the game. I well, I mean, you don't want to get to the game and not win it. So yeah, I know. I, but I, I think that I, here. yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I think I think if Texas got to the Big Twelve championship game and they were very competitive in that game and lost, yeah. I think most fans would be confident. Starkeesian, the players we have and the team moving forward. So I think most fans would describe that as a successful season if they got to the game and, you know, didn't embarrass themselves, you know, or with the bid. So I, I think if they got to the game and were competitive in the game and lost, I think fans would be excited about the outlook of the team. So, yeah, we could say just get into the Big 12 championship would yeah. be a successful season for most fans. I, I'm, I'm thinking at this point, look, this is so early to think about this, nine and three. Like that's, I think with this amount of talent in this conference, Look, like there, there are a lot of there are some really difficult games. Playing at playing at uh, yeah, I said Gallagher, right? but playing at Oklahoma State, playing at Boone Pickens is a really difficult game, right? Uh, playing, you know, at Kansas and Manhattan, it can be a really difficult game. But luckily for them, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, playing Lubbock in Lubbock in your fourth game can be difficult. If they do take care of business, like you know, go two and one in those first couple games, then you know, you win at Texas Tech and in, in West Virginia. You're like, all right, we're in a good spot. We're five and one. So. I just want to see, you know, like a week, week to week consistency, right? Like yeah. if they get bounced, if they get killed by Alabama, not going to hold it too much against them. If they come out and look flat the next week, then I'm worried. Cause then you're thinking, okay, we got love it. We're in Lubbock next week. And there's a lot of juice behind that. So I just think it's, it's going to be really important to track because it fell off a cliff last year. It's going to be important to track. Like how does this Texas team rebound? Do they, you know, things like, I know it's intangible character. Cause they didn't show much character late in games last year. Like that's the stuff I'm looking to see. So it's, it's a nine and three. that feels volatile, but it's like, if they respond in some of their early games and they're like four and if they're like, you know, five and one, I'll be like, okay, I feel really good about where they're going. Um, but I just think it's like, okay, what's going to happen when they get punched in the mouth in a game. And then in a season, they don't play well for a little while. How's it going to go for them? Yeah. I, I think, I like you said, it has to be nine and three or, or 10 and two or above. Cause even if you look at eight and four, that means you probably lost to Alabama. That means you lost probably two out of three or three out of the three to Oklahoma Baylor or Oklahoma state. And if it wasn't those three, then you lost to a team. You definitely shouldn't have lost right. to, you know? So that's why I said like eight and four, um, it would be an improvement of course, from five and seven to three win improvement. But I, I don't think that that's, you know, what Texas fans are looking for. I think with the talent, like you said, that we have, uh, with the potential superstar we have at quarterback, uh, the position coaches that Sark has brought in, I think they've all been a massive hit so far. Um, just what they've been able to do with the team, but also from what recruits have said. There's just a different energy around this football team, especially with them buying in more than they did last year. You know, Roshan, who's the leader of the team, talked about that. There's just more buying right. in, more energy this year. So I think it has to be a 9-3 and three season, and it has to be a season where they're playing in the Big 12 championship game to validate everything we've been hearing um, in the spring. Because, of course, everything is, like I said, rose-colored right now. But once you get out there on the field and every team is trying to throw those horns down and beat you, you got to mm -hmm. go out there and execute. And we didn't see that last year. It's really interesting. What what num what number, what, what record do you think would cost Sarkis job? Seven and six. You think he'd seven, 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 seven and five. I, I, don't, I, think think, they, I, I don't think they can him at seven and five. I think, I think, yeah. I well, so you're talking about firing, firing him. Yeah. Like I, firing. Honestly, I, I think it has I, to, I think it's a missable again to not fire. Uh, I think, I think seven and six might be safe, but like major heat third year, obviously. Yeah. Like definitely on, on the hot seat. I, I think for him to, them to fire him after 
year six. I mean, it would have to be like six and six, five and seven. But I think seven and five. I mean, because you heard rumblings, you know, after the first year, you know, and so I you're always going to hear seven. that though at Texas. But it's always but, gonna be the... but I, I'm saying even if they even if they go seven and five, like I said, that means right. you lost to some teams that you definitely shouldn't have lost to, right? And you didn't, you know, it's a, a Michigan situation where you couldn't even beat, you can't beat all the teams that you're supposed to beat in your conference or the teams that the fans want to beat. So I think seven and five, he may not get fired. But he's going to be on the hottest seat in the country at Texas yeah. if they go seven and five next year. I, I yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, it just I think they're they're so talented, and I think this conference in a way is for the taking. But the the thing is, it, it feels like some of these more teams, these other teams, just feel more established. Right? I know Dave Rand is only in two years, but like you know what you're going to get from Baylor. Uh, Mike Gundy is very good at adapting to what he's got. So like you know, it's going to be a really difficult game. You know, going to Manhattan, Kansas. Is going to be a tough game. You know, going to Texas Tech is going to be a tough game. It's like, all right, can can the talent win out? Right? Can you make sure that like you take advantage of having more talented players and execute better and get those wins? Like you mentioned against the, the teams, they should. Like that, just to me is, you know, you're going to have to win more of those games you lose. Right? I think that what we're talking about here is you can't go 500 in the games where you're more talented, but it was like a tough road environment. Yeah. And I mean, we want to say the same thing. You know, it's like you said, it's tough to go to Manhattan, but we wanted to make it tough to come to Austin and play and and win. And regardless of where we go, you know, I've heard that. I've heard that home field advantage isn't great. I'll be honest. I've heard I've heard it's not excellent. Oh, you know, they talk about our wine and cheese fan base, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like I said, just just from the product on the field, regardless of how the fans are in in the crowd, when you look across the field and you see that burnt orange and white, we want it to be tough for everybody. And so that's hopefully what they're working towards. And, you know, hopefully we'll see that manifest itself on the field this season. But, yeah, I'm I'm hoping the the this team could travel. You know, it don't matter where we go, you know, like once the. Once the ball is snapped, you know, yeah, the, the right. best team is going to win, regardless of the environment. And so um, we didn't see that last year, but but hopefully we can bring it this year for sure. All right, Jonathan, where can people find you and find the show and anything else you'd like to plug? Go ahead. Yeah, Johnzo Ball uh, on Twitter, also Locked On Horns. On Twitter, Locked On Longhorns on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and a lot of great uh, UT content um, coming there. And, uh, yeah, future Big 12 champions, your Texas Longhorns. Right. We're back. There you go. Uh, all right, you guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show at LO Big 12. You can find us on wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Jonathan, it was a pleasure, my friend. Yes, sir. Hook em.